This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to be a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the fall of 2022, we're going to be examining Amos, Jonah, Hosea, and Micah. I'm Dwayne McCray, your host, and today I'm being joined by Tim Pollard. Tim gives leadership to the Explore the Bible Kids team, and he's going to be joining us this week and next week as we look at Jonah. Tim, you're going to be our resident expert on Jonah. Hey, that sounds great. And thank you for being with us. We're going to be looking, first of all, at Jonah chapter 1, verses 15 through chapter 2, verse 10. We've entitled this lesson, No Escape. The summary statement is that believers who run from God are unable to escape his discipline. There are three sections in the outline. The first one is God calms. The second one is God hears. And the third one is God saves. First of all, God calms look at, looks at chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. And we're picking up the storms already started. You can share that as background. Storms already, the storms already started, and now uh, they're walking through the process of figuring out what to do to survive the storm. The sailors, in verse 15, throw Jonah overboard and into the sea after he admits to them that he was fleeing from the Lord. Suddenly, the sea became calm, and the sailors were overcome with reverential fear, and they made vows to God. Jonah was swallowed by a large fish where he remained for three days and nights. The application for us is that a person's faith is measured by the actions taken in response to God. The second point, verses one through four of chapter two, is that God hears. Jonah prayed to God while inside the fish. He cried out, expecting God to hear him. Jonah expressed his dire circumstances realizing that his only hope was to turn to God. The application for us is that God hears our prayers, no matter how desperate the situation. The last part of our outline is that God saves, that's verses 5 through 10 of chapter 2. In these verses, Jonah continued to share the direness of his circumstances, and he offers praise to God for his salvation. He pointed to the uselessness of idols, and committed to fulfill his vow to God. The Lord commanded the fish to expel Jonah on to dry land. The application point here is that believers can trust God in the direst of circumstances. So that's a quick look at the lesson. Just so our listeners know, when we talk about the application point, every outline section has an application point. In this one, it's a person's faith is measured by his actions in response to God. The second one, God hears our prayers, no matter how desperate the situation. The third one, believers can trust God in the direct, uh, in the direst of circumstances, excuse me. Those all tie to the summary statement for the lesson, which for this lesson is believers who run from God are unable to escape his discipline. So they support that main summary statement. Um, some people here, Tim, wonder about the salvation of the sailors. How do we address their spiritual lives in light of what they do here, where they make a vow to God? Well, uh, the first thing that I would say is that, you know, um, a lot of times it's difficult for us to kind of flesh all of that out in that context because, 
you know, we don't really know who these people were. The Bible doesn't really tell us. Um, obviously, they were a, an international cast of characters. Uh, that's probably a great, great way to identify who they were. Uh, um, because it was clear uh, through the text that, you know, they had different religious backgrounds because everybody was calling to their own God. That's why they woke Jonah up and said, hey, man, you need to pray pray to your God too, because um, hopefully one of them will hear us and, and answer our prayers. So they had a, a varied religious background. We don't know what all of those uh, backgrounds could have been. So, and because of that, you know, we can't really be sure of how deep ultimately their conversion experience was, but we do know for one fact that when the seas did calm, that, that they clearly identified that Jonah's God was the one true God and they did worship him and they did make vows to him. And I think it's very interesting that the behavior of these individuals is really contrasted with what Jonah's response was. Yeah, you would have you know, expected Jonah to be a little bit more uh, reverential, I guess. Absolutely. With, with what was going on. I think one of the, one of the quotes that I read in, in the, the study was, you know, it's a it's a sad situation when unbelievers behave better than believers do, and that's that was that really jumped off the page when I read that because my wife is very well known for telling people all the time, you know, why are you surprised by the way these people are acting because they're not believers. Yeah, you, know, you can't expect unbelievers to act like believers, but in this instance, it really is eye-opening that that the behavior of the unbelievers is is way better than than Jonah's response should have been uh, to what God was doing because Jonah knew he was in the wrong obviously yeah it, it seems strange to me sometimes that that we we would we think of Jonah and we it, let me think I can word this the way I want to um, <laughs> here's how I think I want to word it don't you think Jonah knew it was silly for him to run from God to begin with, but yet he still did it. Absolutely. I mean, completely 100%. I think that Jonah was fully aware that what he was doing was kind of silly. Um, but ultimately, you know, we have to think of it in our context because there's a little bit of Jonah in every one of us. I mean, we're all like Jonah. And I think that's one reason why this book is in the Bible for us, um, to give us hope that, you know, they're we do see God's grace throughout this and we are a lot like, like Jonah, of course, but, you know, as a human and as Jonah did, and as we all do, you know, a lot of times we think that we know better than, than God, what's best for us. Um, and sadly that's not true. Uh, but a lot of times it does affect the way that even we live our own lives. Um, sometimes. So, yeah, Jonah, Jonah knew what he was doing was wrong, so he shouldn't have been surprised. Uh, you know, I tell people this story. Um, we did have a pastor who preached a sermon once, and he was talking about this very thing. You know, he he had a call from ministry uh, through a pastor's sermon about Jonah, and, you know, he identified himself as Jonah in that story. But, you know, we do the very same things. We're, we're all a little bit of Jonah and, you know, we, we want to, to run our own lives instead of letting God 
be who he is. One of the interesting things here is, is also this prayer in chapter two. It's written in poetic form. Uh, our English probably doesn't do it as much justice as it, as, is, as it is in the Hebrew, where it, you can obviously see it's, it's poetry. Um, so should we follow the idea of when we are in a crisis, we should pray in poetry? Uh, is that a model <laughs> for us to consider here? I think it could be, sure. Uh, I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be um, through poetry. But, you know, prayer brought to its simplest form. And this is, you know, this is the definition of prayer that we give to kids when we teach about prayer. And prayer is, is communication with God. So it's us talking to God. And that can take a lot of different forms. It doesn't have to be um, just straight talking uh, through what's going on. It, it could take the form of poetry. It could take the form of, uh, you know, a lot of other things. Uh, it's just prayer in its simplest form is communication with God. And I think the idea behind it is that, you know, when we have those circumstances and situations, a lot of times we do default to, to prayer mode. And I think one of the things we need to remember too about prayer is that that it should be constant. It should be something that we're always doing. We should always be communicating with God in one way or another um, to keep that connection to him uh, through the Holy Spirit uh, who gives us the ability to do that. So prayer is communication with God. Can it be poetry? Sure. I mean, a lot of that is, is uh, you see that a lot in the, in the Psalms. Uh, they're, they're identified that way. Song is another way that, that we can use to identify with God through prayer. So when you think about how many hymns are actually, I mean, they're written in poetry, but some of them are mm -hmm. prayers too. Absolutely. In, uh, there's a sticky point here in, mm -hmm. in chapter two, and it's in verse three where we see the word Sheol. Verse six, raised my life from the pit. The pit's another way of talking about death, Sheol. There are some who hold to the idea that Jonah was resurrected, that he actually, not just figuratively, but literally died here and was resurrected. How do we ad address that, deal with that issue in this lesson? Um, well, you know, I mean, my quick answer to that is metaphorically, yeah, I think Jonah did die, but I don't think he physically died. Uh, personally, from reading the text, that's that doesn't seem to to lend itself to to what the text itself actually says. So um, I don't think he physically died, but he felt as if death was overcoming him. Um, and I think we see this in other places in Scripture too. I mean, there are other people who have have suffered so harshly that they feel like you know death has overcome. Um, you know, look at the life of Paul. Uh, Paul literally faced physical death on many occasions, uh, but he never physically died and, until it was time for him to do so. But um, so I think what we take away from what Jonah is saying there is that he felt as if death had overcome him. He was deep down in the pit and God brought him back out of that. And he did rejoice for God's grace to him in that instance. One thing I will remind our listeners of is last week in the, the final lesson of Amos, we looked at 
pack item 12, which lists New Testament references of Amos, Jonah, Hosea, and Micah. The reference listed, there's only one reference in the New Testament to Jonah, and it's found in Matthew 12, 40, and it's also found in Luke 11. Uh, both of them, the Luke 11 passages, is a retelling of the same thing we find in Matthew 12. But it's Jesus talking, and Jesus says they are asking for a sign. And he said the sign that, is will, uh, that he points to here is that Jonah uh, will be in the belly of the fish, just like the Son of Man will be. And that's the sign he points to. So this verse, uh, 117, is the verse that's quoted by Jesus in Matthew 12. So just, just know that uh, when you're thinking about this. Uh, one thing I'd point out too, Tim, is this is a familiar story for most mm -hmm. people, even folks who aren't churched people. Right. We'll have some idea of the story of Jonah. One thing that we've done in this study is we're focusing more on the prayer of Jonah than on the, the fling and running. Mm -hmm. We did that on purpose uh, to, to give us a way to think about Jonah in a little bit different way and to analyze that, that prayer. Uh, the Bible skill is built around that idea. The Bible skill encourages us to look at Psalm 32, which is one of David's psalms, which you, which we mentioned, um, the idea of psalms being written in poetry, but it's a prayer as well of forgiveness. And comparing Psalm 32 with the prayer we have in Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, looking for words and phrases and attitudes that are similar concepts that are expressed that are the same and creating a chart uh, of those two things. One thing we may do that may help us here is to assign this to somebody prior to the group time and then let them present a report of the chart they created. Mm -hmm. then, then if there's others who did it prior to the group time, then they can compare or it could give some food for thought for those who do it afterwards if they're using a data discipleship guide, for example. That's also a good way to get somebody in front of the group other than ourselves as teacher, especially if it's someone who we're trying to apprentice to become a teacher, either in the adult area or some other area. Uh, it's a good way for them to get used to standing in front of the group and presenting something, but that may be a way we can uh, use the Bible skill. I would do it at the end of the group time, uh, close to the end before I got to the summary and challenge. Uh, but I do it here uh, after I've concluded looking at, at uh, chapter 2, verse 10, and then have them present that summary. And that'd be a good way to top the lesson as well and then move into the, the, the challenge time. Tim, I appreciate you being with us. As I shared, Tim's going to be with us again next week. We'll be looking at the uh, chapter 4 of Jonah. Uh, from time to time in the podcast, we mention different resources, Index for the Bible Family, the Leader Pack, for example, and then Tim working on the kids resources. You can find out more about all the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. That's goexplorethebible.com. Thank you again for listening to us. And like I said, Tim's going to be joining us again next week. Be focusing on Jonah chapter 4, 1 through 11, and be looking at the main idea that believers should celebrate God's grace being extended to all people.